I had a really vivid dream when I was uh, flying back from Toronto of the three of us uh, and, you know, some other members of the of the One Password team doing carpool karaoke <laughs> to the point where in the dream I was trying to work out how you would record the audio and then put the music over the top. Right. I think we all need an earpiece. <laughs> I think so too. So it becomes infinitely more complex than I thought it would be. I loved my first reaction when you told me this dream was, what songs were we singing? <laughs> and you were like, just a lot of Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Watchtower Weekly. What do we have? So this week we've got the viral app FaceApp now owns access to more than 150 million people's faces and names. It's really the worst name for an app, isn't it? Yeah. FaceApp. FaceApp. It's hard to say. So the thing that kind of annoyed me with this one was that someone put out a tweet and was just saying, you know, they upload all your photos (laughs) without kind of doing any real work into looking into it. Like perfect Twitter. (laughs) And, And the reasoning of why they thought it was uploading all of their photos and that it, you know, it, it was that it was loading slowly. You know, to confirm, it does only upload the photos that you allow it to. And to be honest, like a lot of things are owned by Russians. I don't see this as massively nefarious. Are you saying that just because it's Russian doesn't mean that it's bad? Yeah, the Democrats are apparently calling for FaceApp to be investigated because it comes from Russia. And, and I'm just like, they probably have antivirus on their laptops that's from Russia and no one's raising massive alarm bells about that. And that has access to all your file system and everything like that. And this has access to your name, maybe, and a picture of your face. It seems like a weird one. And and I think people like to hate on it because it's so popular almost. Don't get me wrong, like their privacy policy could be better, but it's probably the same one as, as Instagram has, to be honest, that, you know, anything you upload... Uh, they can do what they want with. Yeah. These terms of service are not, like you said, are not abnormal. Many, many photography services, photography websites, like in the photography community, you you hear a lot of this of like, oh my gosh, do not upload your photos to this thing because then they just take the rights to it. And now you're not going to make any money off that photo. For normals, none of that matters. Like you're not going to make money off of a photo of your face anyway, Matt. Sorry. Well, (laughs) when I'm older, I feel like I'm going to look like Michael Caine because that's what my photo came back looking like. No, really? It did, yeah. I, I, I tweeted it. You're so lucky. I'm going to go look at your Twitter for a minute. That's amazing. You're going to be gutted if you don't look like that now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be a, an angry old man regardless, though. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just staring at this old photo of you. <laughs> it's really freaking me out, man. I don't like it. It's going to haunt my dreams. I'm going to sit on a park bench and tell kids off for, like, losing their football. Just do that all day. (laughs) And I'm going to enjoy it. I think this has gone off on a tangent. It's true. That last story, by the way, brought to us by Forbes. Forbes Forbes.com. They did that one. The next one, though, is covered by our friends at The Verge. Matt, what should you do if you got one of them there Logitech wireless dongles? Uh, I mean, update the software. They've always had problems. Um, But especially if you are kind of traveling, using it in a public place, there's this thing called a mouse jack which allows oh uh, hackers to break into a computer using the little tiny uh, wireless dongle thing that you mm-hmm. plug mm-hmm. into your computer. Uh, so, you know, the hacker would just need to fire off a few lines of code to gain access to the computer, and then this would allow them to, you know, wipe the hard drive, install malware, or worse. They patched it pretty quickly, but they didn't actually recall any products, which I think is a, a bit of a bad move. Like, I get that it's a software issue, but not a lot of people update, and especially it being the kind of thing that you have in your computer all the time, it's it's pretty bad. 
but it, it wasn't just Logitech. Like Mousejack affected devices from Dell, HP, Lenovo, and, and some Microsoft products too. So I, I dislike plugging in things that are wireless that I don't know how or where they work. Yeah, for sure. Mousejacking, by the way, one of the best names ever for for an attack on a computer. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's interesting. How much do you trust USBs in daily life? I mean, if you were in a hotel, do you just plug your phone and your laptop and stuff straight into the, the USB port on the wall? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> and I may be overly do, paranoid. Right? Yeah, of course they do. That's why those things exist. I may be overly paranoid, but like whenever I see that, I'm like, nope, that's just that is computer herpes just waiting to jump its <laughs> way into my computer. I, I won't I won't use them. I actually took a few of the plugs from our house and, and replaced them with USB versions. And um, I disconnected and then put like a data, I think they're called data condoms. Really? You won't catch herpes that way. Yeah, exactly. Computer herpes. <laughs> yeah, so basically they allow just power and not data. And I was just like, I don't know what is in this plug socket well enough to uh, to adjust those. So yeah, I, I edited them a bit. Well, that's good. Okay, cool. So, I mean, on to the next one. So yeah, last week we... Uh thought the 183 million pound fine for British Airways was pretty big, but this is Equifax having to pay up $700 million to settle a recent data breach. That's a, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that, that's not great. Yeah, this is one of the hacks we're hoping to revisit in coming weeks on the Hacks Revisited segment of the podcast. Oh, nice. So we won't go too much into detail now, but yeah, this fine was... The FTC's largest data breach settlement to date, topping 148 million penalty that Uber agreed to last year. Do you think there's now kind of a battle between the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and GDPR and, uh, and, and kind of the European version as to who can give the biggest fines? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know they've got like a scoreboard up at each at, at each headquarters. Yeah, I think it might have changed, but I know that the ITC, they have a cap of 500,000, I think, but I don't know if that's been lifted recently. Ah, and worth noting as well, the information commissioner has issued a, a 500,000 pound fine for Equifax from the UK side. So they, yeah. they're getting hit with um, multiple fines. That's rough. What is Equifax, by the way? Who who knows what Equifax yeah, is? Yeah, it's a credit score agency. We don't really have credit in, in well, we do have credit, but it, it means less in the UK than it does in the US. <laughs> Yeah, for us, like our credit score is is everything. Uh, have you checked your credit rating recently, Anna? Uh, not since buying a house. No, I only cared and up until buying a house, and then I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we don't have a guest this week because the the hack recap that we have is sizable. Let's say we are we're talking about talk talk this. Uh, this time. Did you stutter? No. I, I did not, no. TalkTalk <laughs> Talk is a telecoms company in the UK, and they also do things like broadband, cable, and fiber, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I can sort of dive into a little bit of, of how this, this thing started. So TalkTalk Talk first reported an outage on Wednesday, the 21st of October in 2015. Uh, but their statement gave no suggestion that customers' data had been compromised, but instead claimed the outage was down due to technical issues. But they gave no indication what these technical issues were. Uh, shortly thereafter, they announced that they had taken down the site themselves, which does not contradict the claim that the company was facing technical issues. However, uh, it comes at a period during which the company later stated it was not only reacting to a cyber attack, but also informing customers to the police of the incident. However, over the next 24 hours, there was 
no mention of a cyber attack. They didn't they didn't mention this at all. Uh, it wasn't until late the following day that TalkTalk Talk released a statement claiming that it had been attacked and warning its customers that their data may have been compromised. Uh, two days after the outage, a criminal investigation was launched by the Metropolitan Police Cybercrime Unit. Some breaking news in the last hour. Police are investigating after a significant and sustained cyber attack on the website of the company TalkTalk. Talk. Here's what was stolen. Up to 4 million people's details, although the company still doesn't know the total. Names, addresses, dates of birth, email addresses and phone numbers, bank and credit card details. The company also can't say whether they were encrypted or not. Another day, another big company hacked for millions of customers' personal details. But big questions remain. How many people are affected? What information was stolen? Many customers feel talk talk just isn't talking enough. This seems all very fast. Like, truly, I feel like we've heard of breaches in the past where it's like, yeah, three years ago... Such and such was was hacked and, and sort of attacked, and, and we then we find out about it. This was within days. Mm. They sort of had all of this lined up. And it's crazy because at the time, they were actually being criticized for being too slow. But it was only, you know, a handful of hours, like 36 hours or something ridiculous compared to, you know, the Yahoo breach that we, we went over a couple of weeks ago, which was years right. for them to come clean about huh. it. So I think first we can... We can listen to the Talk Talk CEO talk about it. We actually have the CEO of Talk Talk, Dido Harding, here. Uh, first of all, Dido Harding, how many people are affected? We don't know for certain, but we're taking the precaution tonight of contacting all four million of our customers. But you didn't do so. The attack was yesterday. At lunchtime yesterday, all we knew was that our website was running very slowly. Right. And it had all the early warning signs of bad guys bombarding the website. Wow, this so this CEO just like came on this TV show. You know, if I were the CEO, I'd be terrified. I'd be terrified to sit in front of a television audience and answer questions. <laughs> like this. Because I bet her her knowledge is not. She's a CEO. She has to deal with like things all three sixty degrees of a company. And I, I bet this at the macro level. Yeah, yeah, I bet this was not on her top list of things that she wanted to do that day. <laughs> so, what was actually compromised in the attack? Yeah, so the details regarding the attack were pretty sparse. Um, at the time of the hack, there was no indication from TalkTalk Talk on what the attack had been, what it had targeted, what had actually been compromised. Uh, they initially thought that the details of up to 4 million customers could have been accessed. Uh, so that's things, uh, names, addresses, date of birth, phone numbers, email addresses, uh, Talk Talk account information, credit card details, bank details. So basically the the entire spectrum of a customer. And so that sort of came out after after the criminal investigation began. Uh, by early November, and again, remembering that this started in, in mid-October, TalkTalk stated that the impact of the breach was, quote, much more limited than initially suspected, adding that just over 150,000 customer accounts were involved. Of these, just over 15,000 bank account numbers and sort codes were exposed, and 28,000 partial credit and debit cards were stolen. But as these were, quote, obscured, they could not be used. They also announced that it was only their website or, quote, shopfront that was attacked, but their core systems weren't. By this point, reports began circulating online of the hackers having used TalkTalk's customers' credit card details and bank accounts to make fraudulent purchases. Uh, one customer claimed that scammers stole cash from her bank account and used it to purchase 600 pounds worth of goods before the card was blocked. Another TalkTalk Talk customer thought the company might have been hacked a couple months earlier than first thought, as he received a fraudulent phone call from a fake TalkTalk Talk employee. 
this person attempted to report the incident to Talk Talk, but the company allegedly, quote, didn't seem very interested. After that, a number of customers started speaking up, saying they too had been scammed by a phony employee pretending to work for Talk Talk's customer service. And it's hard to say if these were linked to the 2015 attack because TalkTalk had already had a couple of large data breaches prior to this one. And I think we've got a clip that we can insert right here that talks about that. Bank account numbers and sort code have been accessed. When the Talk Talk hack hit the headlines, the scam artists hit the phones. Sam, this is Shane Williams from TalkTalk. I needed to talk to you, madam. Using the hacked information, they called British customers and conned them out of thousands of pounds. This guy was completely helpful. He kept saying, oh, madam, madam, look, your computer is about to explode, but it's okay. We found the problem. We're going to send an engineer around tomorrow to clean your computer, your end. We have your address, which they did. Now, TalkTalk says it doesn't believe the cyber attack on its website would have allowed thieves to take money from the bank accounts of its customers. Today, the chief executive came forward with what she called some good news. Talk Talk were attacked on Wednesday. What can you now tell us about this hacking? Well, any credit card details that have been stolen have the middle six digits blocked out and so therefore are unusable for financial transactions. So that's very good news for our customers. So Anna. Yep. How did how did Talk Talk handle all of this, all like this, this sort of flood of, of information. At the yeah. Time. So throughout the process, talk talk statements became kind of increasingly technically incoherent. Oh no! So you have to remember the name Dido Harding now. She's talk talk CEO. So if there's one thing you need to take away from this, it's her name. She became the somewhat kind of miserable face of this attack. <sighs> I've watched so many videos of her just looking appalled. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, she really came under fire, but you could tell she was, you know, trying to really inform customers about what was going on, even at times when she didn't know what was going on. So initially, the company pinned the loss of customers' data on a DDoS attack. But as we know, a DDoS is only capable of increasing the load on a network source, which could have caused the outage, but it's not capable of retrieving like information from that source. Um, however, as you might remember from earlier, TalkTalk had already claimed that the company itself had taken the site offline. And on their help website, TalkTalk were also attributing the attack happened on the 22nd of October, which is a day later than it actually occurred. So all the facts were getting really muddled at this stage. They were also not clear on kind of what parts of their customer data was and was not encrypted and this was actually the biggest shock for me yeah they just they, they seem to be low on details but wanted to be high up in the media for some reason yeah like, they seem to be at the forefront of this yeah but then giving out very little detail and just saying well you know everybody experiences this it's um it's kind of an odd thing to do yeah and you can see that in all the news coverage, I mean, Dido Harding was hitting every major news outlet going, appearing on kind of guest interviews, trying to explain what would happen. But then when anyone would ever ask her what was going on, all she could come back with was, this is a live criminal investigation. Oh, my gosh. No no comment at this time. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And also in a now infamous 
BBC interview, uh, the CEO claimed to have received a ransom notice via email demanding Bitcoin, but she failed to explain anything more. Um, and yeah, she just kept saying it's a live criminal investigation, so I can't go into any more detail. Obviously, this is a, a, a live criminal investigation. The Metropolitan Police Cybercrime Unit opened an uh, investigation yesterday, so there isn't very much information that I can give you at this stage. Do you know anything about who's behind it? I, I, I don't know who is behind it uh, at this stage. There's obviously lots of speculation online, but I don't. Look, it's, it's very hard for me to comment, given that it is a, a live criminal investigation. Obviously, I'm sorry to keep repeating, it is hard for me to, to give you very much details, but yes, we have been contacted by, I don't know whether it's an individual or a group purporting to be the hacker, um, but I probably can't really say much what, more than that. demanding money? Um, I, it's a live criminal investigation. All I can say is that I had and personally received a contact from someone uh, purporting, as I say, I don't know whether they are or are not, to be the hacker looking for money. So this was the first the customers, you know, had heard about a ransom notice. It wasn't mentioned earlier on. She just spent a lot of time kind of trying to justify, you know, cybercrime happens to everyone and it's on the rise. Oh. Uh, and some, some of the clips were just quite kind of shocking to me. There's one where she's talking in Parliament and she's kind of trying to make an analogy between a cybercrime and a physical attack in like a grocery store or a supermarket. And yeah, just take a listen to this. If this had been a physical ram raid on a store, and let's say it was one where not only was goods stolen, but customers were beaten up. So to try and get the analogy, um, I think the first thing that you would ask of the retailer is, were they following all of the appropriate health and safety um, and security regulations? And once they demonstrated that they had, you'd assume that they were, were, they were victims of a, of a crime. There are cyber attacks on every website all the time. Cybercrime is the crime of our generation. It is growing exponentially and we all need to know more and learn more. So the, the amusing thing that she says is that there are cyber attacks on websites all the time. So essentially her excuse was no one knows what they're doing, so it's okay that we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, and also... You know, we were following all of the regulations. Oh. We were doing everything we were supposed to be doing. Yikes. So she was basically saying to the to the British Parliament that, oh, this is your fault because we were only following the basic guidelines that you gave us. Yeah. Yeah, th this is a 101 in how not to do breach disclosure. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to know now looking at, obviously, how they handled it. Did they manage to find out who was behind the attack? So this is actually one of my... I would say favourite parts of this, but that's kind of a, a dark view on, you know, people's uh, information getting stolen. But it's it's actually still unclear how many hackers were involved, like even now. On the surface, it was basically a, a bunch of bored teenage boys from really quiet towns. Um, around six or seven were actually arrested. Police arrested and bailed two 16-year-old boys. Uh, including one from, from Norwich, representing <laughs> <laughs> a 15-year-old boy uh, from Northern Ireland and two men in their early 20s from, from Staffordshire. And it's still confusing to actually pin down exactly who and how many people were, were involved. And I think that's because, you know, this was basically a, a, a gang of bored teenagers. Some of the hackers were ordered to pay small fines or take up community service. 
um, and others were kind of convicted a bit more seriously. So there was a Matthew Hanley, 23, and, and Connor Allsop, uh, 21, uh, from Staffordshire. And they were charged for the, you know, their crimes. And, and Hanley was jailed for 12 months and Allsop for eight. So no one really, you know, did big time for this. I'd say 12 months is actually quite quite long. But, you know, for the amount of data that was that was taken, and earlier we spoke about, millions in fines I feel like the the fine that Daniel Kelly 19 got he got four years and then he was accused of demanding 465 bitcoins which was then worth 200,000 five people have been arrested and bailed in connection with the attack Daniel Kelly was the teenager behind the talk talk hack it's a mistake that'll hang over him for the rest of his life. I was sitting in front of my computer and the, the television was playing behind me and obviously they, they, they were reporting on the hack itself. And then, and then I more or less realised like, how serious it was. When you're, when you're in front of a computer, a part of you thinks, well, you're never going to get caught. And okay, even though it's been reported on live television, perhaps they won't, find, they won't catch me, but the fact that I could actually be facing a prison sentence because of this actual occurrence like, still doesn't register with me. I mean, something that I've done behind a computer that in, the, in the proceeds of perhaps five minutes, is that, that's it. It took you five minutes? More or less five minutes, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it took longer than that. Obviously where I live, there's, there's not many opportunities available. Like, it's a small town in South Wales. And obviously as time goes on, you're, just, you're bored in general. So it's like, a, it's like an adrenaline rush, essentially. Daniel emailed the company, demanding an £80,000 ransom. It was to be paid in untraceable Bitcoin. But a month later, he was arrested, pleading guilty to 11 charges of hacking, blackmail, fraud and money laundering. So he was the one responsible for sending the, the ransom note then? Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of people involved in this and then someone managed to grab the database and then thought, oh, you know, I, I don't see any ransom. What, what don't I get, get that? <laughs> so in November 2015, uh, one of the hackers actually admitted posting details to the uh, firm's online security that sparked the breach. Uh, they were also very public about their exploits and were happy to be interviewed by all major media outlets. <laughs> one, of the, one of the 16-year-old hackers claims he was just uh, showing off. There was no group. It was just a few friends laughing about a company with bad security. It's fun for us. It was in a Skype group call with lots of laughing and making fun of TalkTalk. In that call, one of the hackers allegedly shared a flaw in TalkTalk's website. It allowed access to the company's customer database. Once leaked, it's claimed multiple hackers used it to pull out names, email addresses and more. It got passed around. At least 25 people had access to it. So how could the group find the hole in TalkTalk's website? Short answer, by using Google. Such tactics shouldn't work against a big company's site. Even the hackers were surprised. The same hacker claimed he tried to warn the company. I tweeted Talk Talk about an hour before everything happened and they weren't interested. So I thought, the security is their problem. Sometimes you report a vulnerability and the company perhaps just won't, they won't take notice of you. They won't even bother replying to you. Why would I ever proceed to carry on doing good? If, the, if these companies aren't even taking the time to thank me. 
So it's really just sort of this disorganized. Yeah, I'm almost not really surprised that it's a bunch of teenagers, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is here is how much you can actually learn of this stuff from, from YouTube. There's instructional videos and, and YouTube have kind of clamped down on this, but you can essentially like learn credential stuffing and learn SQL injection attacks and, and all that kind of stuff in like five minutes from, from YouTube. And I feel like in, in little board towns like this, they were just messing around. And, and I think it should be impossible to be able to do this, let alone, you know, learn it off YouTube. The real good plot point is that the cybersecurity consultant and former Scotland Yard detective actually reported that it was a Russian Islamic cyber terrorism group. Isn't that the best four words that you can put together in order to strike fear? <laughs> what is it with the Russians in this podcast? Yeah, it, it was a Russian Islamic cyber jihadi group. That was it. Oh. So yeah, the, the, the worst four words that you can put together. <laughs> and, and it just seemed like he didn't really know what was going on. And it, and it's com it was completely unverified at the time. I, I think he just, you know, wanted a bit of media fame. And um, yeah, when it came out to be, you know, teenagers from, from Staffordshire and Wales and, and Norwich, uh, you know, he, he looked pretty stupid. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty rough. So what was the public perception of this? Like, did Talk Talk lose a bunch of customers over this? Like, did the press just sort of leap on this? And this was the this was the story of the century for them <laughs> for a while. What was the what was the reaction here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, because Talk Talk's a massive UK corporation, I think it really hit the the news in Britain really hard. There was understandably like a lot of anger, particularly over the lack of information and how disorganized the statements from Talk Talk were. Uh, this was also obviously the third cyber attack to affect Talk Talk in 12 months. So people were rightly asking, could they have done more to protect its customers? Talk Talk and its CEO came under a lot of fire, as you've already heard, for not admitting any sort of fault. Um, this is definitely the most apparent thing when you kind of watch back numerous um, kind of news stories. The company were quoted as saying they believed its systems were as secure as they could be, despite adding that not all of the data it held on its customers was encrypted. I've spoken to the chief executive this morning. You were shocked by what she told you. There are lots of shocks in this, um, not least that she still doesn't know whether all of that data was encrypted, that is encoded so that it makes no sense to people that could get hold of it. Even at this late stage, she doesn't know what was encrypted, what was not. She says that the style of the attack, the depth of it, was such that they're still getting through that detail. You're saying the cyber attacks happen all the time. You just have to calibrate the severity of them. Uh, but how can people trust companies like Talk Talk if it's happening all the time? I know you want me to give some cast iron guarantee. I don't think I can do that anymore. You cannot tell your customers that their data will be safe. I with cannot. Talk Talk. I cannot tell them that the world is perfectly safe. Why should they trust you with their bank details, their personal information? Because I'm being honest. With respect, Ms Harding, honesty doesn't protect their security. No, I completely agree. Um, but but none of us live in a perfect world where security is perfect. Oh my gosh. And yeah, despite her issuing kind of a soft sorry every now and then, even TalkTalk's site kind of denied responsibility for the breach, simply calling it a criminal attack. Harding seemed to confirm her lack of concern over this in detail with the Sunday Times, where she was quoted saying, it wasn't encrypted, nor are you legally required to encrypt it. We have compiled with all of our legal obligations in terms of storing financial information. Yeah, it was it was weird, the kind of statement that she made. 
in the in the previous clip that was you know about physical security and and the expectations on a on a physical shop and then the expectations on a um on a kind of digital front i think this was their real pain point was just they didn't understand that they really needed to do more on security than than perhaps was the the legal amount that you have to do I mean, wow, she really didn't handle things well, did she? This, uh, <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, she sort of became quite the vlogging enthusiast, really. Uh, she delivered another statement to camera with the suggestion, like, in the unlikely event that money is stolen from a customer's bank account as direct result of the cyber attack, then get this, as a gesture of goodwill... We will waive oh termination fees as a gesture. What, they will of waive goodwill. termination fees. So not not that they'll no. give that money back. So if you want to leave <laughs> the Talk Talk service, they will, as a gesture of goodwill, they will waive the termination fees. Oh. I mean, come on! Wow, I'm sure other people were waving good gestures. <laughs> uh, that but is only terrible. Those customers that could prove that their finances had been directly affected by the breach could terminate their accounts for free as well. And additionally, TalkTalk took no liability for other possible expenses customers may have had to bear as a result of the breach. So what do you think was happening at TalkTalk at the time that meant something like this was able to happen? The attack on the TalkTalk website was not deemed to be very sophisticated at all. I mean, it was a group of teenagers, uh, which was kind of the most concerning part of the hack. The Information Commissioner's Office said TalkTalk's failure to implement the most basic cybersecurity measures allowed hackers to penetrate TalkTalk systems with ease. Yes, hacking is wrong, but that is not an excuse for companies to abdicate their security obligations. Yeah, that's like it's like saying, like, you shouldn't take my bike because stealing is, is illegal. I shouldn't have to lock it up. Like, of course, someone's going to take your bike. TalkTalk was discovered to have failed to properly scan their infrastructure for uh, possible threats, and they were unaware to the vulnerable pages that existed or that had enabled access to a database that held customer information. They were also not aware that the installed version of the database software was way outdated and no longer supported by the provider. So, you know, right away, like, that's that's sort of the, one of the biggest red flags is that they just they didn't keep their software up to date and and this happens all the time vulnerabilities are constantly found in in old softwares they said of course that they did not know at the time that the software was affected by a bug and that a fix was available uh the bug allowed the attacker to bypass access restrictions and had it been fixed none of this would have been possible i don't know that an update is available is not a good excuse yeah that's the thing is that there should have been someone whose job it was to keep their infrastructure up to date like you have people looking after this type yes of stuff. the i didn't know that there was a law against this so i shouldn't be guilty of it is it that that never holds up in in a court of law uh, and this is not a court this is obviously not a law but i didn't know that there was a software update available just means that you didn't hire the right people to so do the job looking back how do you think talk talk actually came out from all this well, before you answer, before before we dive into the answer, as a non-UK resident, is TalkTalk still around? Like, are they still a company? They are. Yeah, I, okay. I believe they're even bigger now than they were before. And and telecoms in the UK is like a really competitive market. the uh, The actual attack cost TalkTalk forty two million. Uh, One hundred and one thousand subscribers left in the arsenal. Wow. 
But in a competitive market like telecoms, distrustful customers and investors don't stick around. There may be a potential loss of subscribers and then there's a lack of confidence in investing in that company. The share price, if you look at the share price, I believe it has gone down, which is not surprising. And if what they've said is true, it shows how easy it is to break in to a multi-million pound company. That's, that's pretty damning. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. In 2016, TalkTalk were also fined uh, 400000 by the Information Commissioner's Office, uh, which, I mean, it looks pennies nowadays, right? Like, the, the one that we talked about earlier was easily 10 times this. And that was a record fine at the time, uh, with the limit that the ICO could actually fine people uh, being capped at 500000 So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty big. The ICO said that the attack could have been prevented if TalkTalk had taken basic steps to protect customers' information. But uh, I I think their reputation has and will always be tainted by this. Uh, Everybody kind of remembers how how bad this was and and how badly it was handled as well. But the, the last and possibly most interesting and horrendous thing is, um, do you guys know what... She is a non-executive director at Mind Gym. No, that is not true. (laughs) On on her LinkedIn page, she is listed as healthcare. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she is actually the chairman of the NHS Improvement, uh, which is is our national national health system. Uh, And uh, Wikipedia has her salary as 6.8 million. Fills me with terror a little. She did leave in, I believe it was 2017. So she did step down after seven years of, of uh, Talk Talk as the, as the CEO uh, to, public, uh, to focus more on her public service wow. activities. Because we needed so data breach and loans. Yeah, exactly. So she oh. went from handling you know, uh, data that she didn't really seem to care about uh, to really, really important data. And I hope she cares about. Yeah. Well, that's a depressing notion to uh, end this segment on. <laughs> yeah to go on to something you know better what i want to talk about for a second is one we've had lots of really nice reviews and so thank you for for everybody who's sending those in wait a minute wait people are leaving reviews of the show they actually are yeah and and they seem to be mostly (laughs) positive are they like liking commenting and subscribing What's yeah. our worst review that we've got? Oh, <laughs> don't don't I, do that. So, so for future T-shirts, what I want to do is I want to print out the really bad reviews and put them on the T-shirts. <laughs> just like, you know, massive letters on a T-shirt. Just these chuckleheads know nothing about security. <laughs> One star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, chuckleheads is very accurate. I'm not going to Yeah, lie. that's true. Uh, so, yeah, I want to run another T-shirt giveaway. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. Tweet us with uh, your thoughts about the podcast and any improvements. Maybe you've got some guest suggestions and we'll pick a couple that, you know, we really like and, and potentially want to implement for the show and we'll send you some some T-shirts. We need a hashtag for this, Matt. Are we just going to use the standard ask one password hashtag? That's true. Yeah. So Anna, what the phrase? Well, this week our phrase was requested by a colleague of ours called Benji. So hi, Benji. He's requested a British or Australian phrase, which is ask about face. So this means like you fell down, like you fell down real hard. No, no. Oh, <clears throat> that's, uh, 
scrap that. That's uh, that's bum over boob, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's ass over tit. Okay, ass over tea kettle is what we say here. <laughs> why would you? Why would you be carrying a tea? What is a tea kettle? What's a tea kettle? It's like a. It's, I know what a pot is. Yeah, it's a cast. Teapot. It's a cast iron tea kettle that you heat up on an. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so you both, you obviously both know what this means. Uh, yes, my dad says this on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Does it mean you screwed up? Like it's like you screwed up real bad? No. No. Is it drunk? No. I got nothing then. It means to go backwards. <laughs> it means to turn around. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it means to turn around, right? No, it doesn't. What? You've got this wrong, Matt. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Matt thinks he knows what it means and he doesn't. <laughs> oh, Matt. Oh, this is delicious. So it means contrary to what is usual, expected or logical. Yeah, completely backwards is what I meant. Oh, I thought you meant going backwards. Like yeah, physically. like physically moving backwards. <laughs> like you're walking Well, yeah, backwards. you use it for that as well. No, I, I think you got that wrong. No, says the guy who had no idea what it meant five <laughs> seconds ago. This, this is the greatest thing about British phrases. Is they've been around so long, everybody just uses them differently. It obviously started around as like, you know, backwards. And it's turned around for every use of backwards. Amazing. All right, well, I think that's all we've got time for. I think so right. too. Love you, Rue. Love you, Anna. Love you. Love you both. Bye. Bye.